Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Jin. Hello. What's your tagline, buddy? Oh, yippee. This is the whole thing? <laughs> no. <know>. Good. <laughs> Sam Schultz is also here. Hi. What's your tagline? New shoe goofing. New shoe new goofing. Shoe. Sam Schultz got new shoes. Oh, that's the first time much. since hey. maybe I've known him. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> they're first, so like they're clean. Nice shoes. I, mean, so I, they're very, I walked into the yeah, studio to shoot SciShow and I was like, look at those. Wow. <laughs> We're also joined by Sari Riley. Hello. What's your tagline? Pickle burps. And I'm Hank Green. And I'm so excited to be here with my friends to talk about science. And my tagline is... Feet are neat. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to amaze, one-up, and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, and we're playing for joy, but we're also playing for Hank Bucks, and we're playing to win. We do everything we can to stay on topic, uh, but judging by previous conversations and the name of the podcast, uh, we won't be great at that. So if any of the team deems your tangent unworthy, we will force you to give up one of your Hank Bucks. So tangent with care. Now, as always, we introduce this week's science topic with the traditional science poem, this week from Sam. Our planet is a writhing mass of magma, water, rock, and gas. And sometimes these things conspire to make weather that is dire. Waters rise and breach their shores, or from the sky a cyclone roars. Lightning can ignite a forest, hail can fall in massive torrents. Even space has its share of threats. Ask the dinos, they'll tell you, I bet. 
And as people impact the earth, it seems some weather is getting worse and hurting people everywhere. So maybe it's time for certain people to care. It was a very beautiful poem, but it also sounded like you were shaming us for not caring not you, about the weather. The governments. Right? <laughs> certain people. Yeah. It's on all of us together, but also the government. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, if you couldn't tell... Our topic for the week is natural disasters, but also how natural are they anymore? Mm. Certainly some are still very natural, but what are they? (laughs) Oh, you're looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was researching this, I thought it was interesting because there were two terms to refer to natural disasters. There were natural hazards and then natural disasters. Can I guess what a natural hazard is? Yes. Like a hole you can fall down? <laughs> like an animal it's crossing a there. pitfall. Yeah, it's yeah. there all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's oh. it becomes a disaster when it starts impacting human society. So like a hurricane oh. over the ocean that doesn't ever hit a city okay. is a natural hazard, mm. but it becomes a natural disaster when it starts messing with people. Okay. If but if there's like a boat in the hurricane, does then it does it count is as it a disaster? Is it automatically a disaster? I think so. I think the the terms are a little wibbly yeah, and like everyone sure. uses natural disaster conversationally, yeah. but mm-hmm. I think the term natural hazard was introduced to imply that it's a weather phenomenon. Like these are earthquakes and landslides mm. and tsunamis and things that happen naturally that could be hazardous to humans. And then yeah. the disaster element is our buildings are crumbling. When our the disaster are, actually right. happens. So yeah, if like my kinda... boat gets knocked over by a hurricane, that's not a disaster. Yeah, that's just like a car accident or if the it's tornado like thing that happened. Picks up fifteen sharks. Like that's not a disaster because it didn't affect humans. But then if it drops those it... sharks on. On humans, oh man, (laughs) disaster Disaster. for sure. So worse tornadoes and stuff than there have been in the history Mm. because of human stuff. Sure. Those are all natural disasters too? Yeah, they're still natural disasters. Uh, But like then then you get into the place of like, if we're influencing the climate, is a hurricane a natural disaster anymore? And it's like, eh. The line gets blurry of if we're dumping a man-made byproduct into the oceans, and that's like a man-made disaster environmental mess. Right. But Hmm. climate change-related stuff, all bad and all messy. So it's hard to know. But the fact that the sea level is already a little higher does mean that every time there is a coastal flooding event, it's a little bit worse because of global warming. Mm. (laughs) We started out really happy. (laughs) We have to love each other. (laughs) Because otherwise. That's what my poem's about. (laughs) So now it's time for... Where one of our panelists has prepared three science facts for our education and enjoyment, but only one of those facts is real. This week, Sari is attempting to fool us, and the other panelists have to figure out, either by deduction or wild guess, which is the true fact. If we do, we get a Hank buck. If we don't, you get the Hank buck. Sari... Fool away. Can um, I say something real quick before you start? Yes. If you get all three points, you will be tied with Hank for second place. Holy Whoa. shit. Whoa. So, wow. Trick is good. Can trick I? is good. <laughs> <laughs> now the pressure is on. So even though we might not think of it as like the biggest natural disaster, hail is a really big pain. Hailstones mm. can grow big enough to seriously damage cars, planes while they're flying, buildings, and most expensively, crops. So humans have been trying to suppress hail with science for hundreds of years. I didn't know that. And so nowadays, cloud seeding is a pretty common type of weather engineering where a chemical like silver iodide is sprinkled in clouds to provide more condensation nuclei so that rain forms and storms dissipate. And in the case of hail, ideally, instead of forming big hail, it just rains. But we've tried some unusual methods, too. So which of these three is real? 
So we actually can influence hail already. We could do that on purpose. We're not sure, but like there they are claims. Anyway. They do it anyway. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> people cloud seed. I don't want to incite conspiracy theorists, but people do cloud seed to mm-hmm. try to dissipate storms and hail is a part of that. Number one, dumping a super absorbent polymer into clouds that becomes a gooey gel by absorbing the water to try and make sure there isn't enough water to form hail. <laughs> is like just slime tutorials on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, using a cannon to launch shock waves into the atmosphere to try Ooh. and prevent hailstones from growing so the water falls as rain instead. Okay. Or number three, controlled burning of a lot of heavy petroleum to produce a bunch of soot, which gets released into the atmosphere, absorbs radiation, and heats the air up enough so that the clouds can't become cold enough for hail formation. So, can I start out by saying, mm-hmm. we're, I don't want to feed the conspiracy theorists, but is it possible that hail is fake? <laughs> <laughs> hail is a government scam. They want to keep us scared. It's a bunch of people in morph suits throwing ice cubes at us, and then the simulation in our brains are programmed wow. to Yeah, them it's for big windshield. Right. I never they got to break our windshield so we all go buy new ones. That's right. Yeah. The big, government is the... Big windshield. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we have a fair amount of hail in Montana. We've I didn't this, really expect yeah, that. This spring we had some moved here. Already. And it does seem like otherworldly when the big hailstones start to come down. You're like, this doesn't feel real. That's not how this works. Yeah. I feel the same way about earthquakes where I'm like, oh. Earth, you have one job. <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> Every day of my life so far, you have done that. <laughs> and then one day you're like, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. I'm like, no, that's not what you do. You just sit in a chair for a little while. You got to like, Wiggle your back a little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, it's yeah, going to get stiff. Yeah, I the earth is just getting stiff. Get, yeah. So the things we have to choose from. <laughs> caution. Number one, dumping super absorbent polymers into clouds so that a gel forms instead of hail. Number two, cannons launching shock waves to keep hail from forming. Or number three, controlled burning of heavy petroleum to produce a bunch of soot. God, that all sounds like stuff we would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so the goopy stuff, though, then it would just have, you'd have goopy rain instead of. I'm f- yeah, that sounds That sounds, that sounds gross. Yeah. But like gross, but at least it's not like destroying my crop. So the goop dissolves. It's similar stuff to the stuff in diapers. Uh-huh. And then okay. like, uh. like that kind of super absorbent thing forms a polymer. And then when it gets into salt water, like the ions in it help it dissolve. You seem to know a lot about yeah, this why, one. <laughs> why didn't you describe it as diaper clouds earlier? That, yeah. <laughs> this is additional information for the question and answer part. Okay. So and, then, uh, and then cannons launching shock. That's not going to do anything, but I trust that someone would be like, give me $50 and I'll shoot a cannon at your storm. What are you shooting? Or, You're shooting just like a, like a sound, just a really sound wave. Sound, yeah. Just boom. How much does it cost to have someone shoot a cannon at your farm? Oh, I don't know the price per sonic boom, but I think there's like several tens of thousand dollars to build one of these cannons. Mm. Oh, wow. You're so sneaky today. You also know a lot about that one. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, look, controlled heavy burning of petroleum. If you've got happening. a chance to burn dirty petroleum, why wouldn't you? We're, it's America. And yeah. then that's just sort of like creating nuclei, sort of similar as silver iodide. Is that the idea? Create I condensation th- nuclei? I think so. And I was trying to do reading on this because like if a volcano launches a lot of ash into the air, then the surface gets cooler. But it uh. seems like the air itself gets warmer because mm-hmm. the carbon particles mm. absorb the UV radiation and trap heat in the upper sure. atmosphere. Mm. And so 
I think that's the goal with the soot is both condensation nuclei mm-hmm. and just warming up the clouds because they have to stay freezing while the water moves up and right. down to make hail. Sari, oh, you're supposed to give us <laughs> one real fact and two fake yeah. ones. <laughs> <laughs> Very real. Yeah. All right. Oh. I'm going to go with the diaper clouds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with controlled burning of heavy petroleum. Ooh. Seems very us. I don't know. I'm also going to go with burning petroleum. Okay. It was sound cannon. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Wow. Wowee. You this is my best three three fail ever. Yeah. <laughs> you duped us all. You worked hard on this one. Yes. <laughs> you had everybody on background. You had all of the stuff. Okay, I guess first yes. we have to start with these like huckster sound cannon people. <laughs> yeah, they're wild. So it, they started out around 1899, 1900 mm. with winemakers. Oh. So their grape crops get hailed mm-hmm. on. They had sound cannons yeah. at that point? Sure, they're, you had cannons. Cannons make sound whether or not you got cannonball Mm -hmm. in them. That's true. Mm -hmm. And the first ones were designed by a winemaker, and they're like these big funnels pointing upward, and their goal was to launch smoke rings up at the clouds. The idea being that they thought the smoke particles would stop hail from forming in the clouds. I don't know what the logic was scientifically, but they were just like, the smoke's going to blast the water out of the way. We didn't know how (laughs) things worked. (laughs) But we still don't really. Would that Um, make more precipitation happen or would it just not do anything? The smoke could potentially act as condensation nuclei to make it rain instead of hail. It seemed like they just did this a bunch and then when it worked they were like we're geniuses and when Uh it didn't they were like we must have launched the cannon wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So they basically like to picture it they look like megaphones Mm, pointing up. They're very wild. Um, and then modern hail cannons, and modern they've been used cannons. by Nissan and Volkswagen. Like above car dealerships or what? Uh, <laughs> above car manufacturing okay. plants. Yeah, where there's like lots of cars yeah. all outside. And glass and fragile stuff. Don't put, don't put your car manufacturing plant in a hail zone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they rely on shock waves instead. So they just do detonate like explosions beneath these big megaphones. And oh. they make like... T- weird booming noises Whoa. up towards clouds every couple of seconds. And there are these articles of people getting very annoyed yeah. by the <laughs> plants. Does it work? All the meteorologists that are interviewed for all these various articles are like, there's no evidence that they actually do anything. But weather is also very complicated. Mm-hmm. So it seems like general scientific consensus is probably not. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh, but I guess we might as well explode a bunch <laughs> of stuff under our giant sky megaphone. Yeah. yeah. And if it does we anything, it. we don't really know the science behind it. Yeah. Because I think that the, yeah, the idea is that the shockwave would mess with the water as it's going through the motions to form mm. hail. and they don't think that that would happen. I can believe that, like, in 1898, we were doing this. Mm -hmm. I can't believe they're doing this now at, like, a Nissan plant. It's wild. That is wild. Like, 2005 and I think 2017 was the most recent report of someone, like, using this regularly. Uh Uh, So it sounds like the diaper clouds were real in some way. You seem to know a lot about them. The the diaper polymer exists. Like, polyacrylate is a real thing. There was a company that created a product 
that was basically polyacrylate that wanted to add it to clouds for hurricane remediation instead. Okay. Mm. So not specifically as a hail strategy. You goop up that hurricane, it can't. The wind can't blow so fast. It's just like, oh, I'm all gooped up. Now uh, you're just gonna have horizontal goop. Flying <laughs> <laughs> around. Yeah. yeah, just like goop up all the liquid before it becomes too stormy. Mm. A lot of hurricane remediation strategies are like keep the water from evaporating because you want to keep the storm from building up any bigger. Mm. But yeah, it was hurricane remediation things yeah i, I mean that. we're d- like by the time we're dying uh-huh. i bet we'll be able to not have hurricanes mm. what we're just How, gonna though? cover the ocean in black there's balls there's a bunch <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna cover the ocean in black balls there, people suggested covering the ocean with oil too oh good cool. like, and then set it on fire uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like some guy at this company was just like oh i've l- learned that this polymer is weird and absorbs and makes this weird gel thing so so let's try dumping it in clouds. Uh-huh. And I think they might have experimented with it a couple times, but right. it's so impractical because you need tens of you thousands so of tons right, of this right. to yeah. absorb mm. one storm. And then all the polyacrylate would end up in the oceans, which is mm, not the best place for yeah. it to be, yeah. probably. Was there reality behind burning heavy petroleum? That was just a, a suggestion from humans <laughs> in like the 1970s. Mm, okay. uh, also for hurricanes to modify tropical cyclones they were like i don't know i guess we could burn things and they were really into like carbon aerosols yeah uh but that has never been tried out in real life all right next up we're gonna take a short break and then the fact off scishow tangents is brought to you by factor whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening. That all oh, all oh, that's building up around you. Oh, this is like, terrifying. I'm so <laughs> yeah. I never want to cook again. <laughs> You're right, Factor Ad. I don't. I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door, ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024, and I certainly hope that's true for me. <laughs> Heck yeah, Factor. Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm going to get a chest freezer just for these meals. Oh, <laughs> well, you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from. Flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress. Even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner, head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. 
Welcome back. Hank Buck Total Seri is in with three. I've got none. Sam's got one. And Stefan's got none. Zippo. This is it's, my time. It's, <laughs> well, it's my time to try and get a point because I and my friend Stefan are doing the fact off. Where two panelists bring science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. The presentees each have a Hank Buck to award to the fact that blows their mind the most. And the person who's going to go first is the person who has been in the most noticeable earthquakes. Yeah, I lived much of my life in California, and in the 90s there was... I actually don't know exactly when it was, and I was very young, um, but there was an earthquake that knocked the TV off of the, Mm. like, stand or whatever. That was the worst one that I've ever been. But you've been been in lots more than that? I've been... Yeah, but the rest of them were very mild. But more than three? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Because I've got got three three in my belt. (laughs) So, in 1815, uh, in Indonesia... Mount Tambora uh, erupted, and this was rated as a a VEI-7. And so the volcanic eruptions are measured on a 0 to 8 scale, uh, with 0 being like, eh, and 8 being a super volcano. So this was a 7. It's pretty big. And other eruptions have happened throughout history that have disrupted the climate significantly. Um, But this was the most recent uh, VEI-7 eruption, and there were a couple of things that sort of combined to make it extra bad timing. In the few years leading up to that eruption, there were a few other smaller eruptions that had like added their dust and ash to the atmosphere. And so there was like, it had accumulated a bit. Um, and this was also during a period of unusually low solar activity. Mm. So like there was already a little bit less sunlight hitting the earth. And then this thing happened and like through, it was like 127 cubic kilometers of crap into the atmosphere. And so all of this sort of combined to lower the global average temperature somewhere between half a degree and one degree Celsius, uh, which is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't sound like a lot, but what did that do? About 10,000 people just died immediately from like being too close to this thing. Um, but the following year, 1816, was known as the year without a summer. And I guess some people called it 1800 and froze to death. Um, because, <laughs> because it was just super cold. Well, in the Northern Hemisphere, they were getting like below freezing temperatures and snow in like May through July, Ooh. which is when they're like trying to grow food. Yeah. <laughs> so there were a, it wiped out a lot of crops. There was a bunch of food shortages and famines. Um, and like they didn't have infrastructure to transport things around like we do now so anywhere that the crops died like had famines and things and it just caused a lot of erratic weather patterns um so there was a lot of flooding like massive flooding in china but all all over the northern hemisphere Uh, and it also contributed to uh, several epidemics of typhus and cholera and apparently typhus tends to follow natural disasters they had estimated that about 100,000 Irish people, just Irish people, died from typhus in the few years following that. Hmm. And there weren't death toll estimates for a lot of these regions. I don't know if they just didn't keep super good records back then. Mm -hmm. So they estimated about like 90,000 in the area around the eruption. They looked at how many people they estimated before and then how many people they estimated afterwards and like, well, there's about 100,000 people missing. (laughs) So I guess they probably perished from this thing. So that's it's far from the deadliest disaster in history, but it's just kind of an example of like how much you can affect things by changing the climate by one degree Celsius, which is maybe relevant um, for our current times. What is why would typhus be more? 
prevalent after something like that. I think like typhus that. is like a dead, like if there's like dead people and dead things around. Uh, yeah, like yeah, when things are going stuff. badly, generally people have worse hygiene. There's more dirty, dead things around. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then typhus spreads more easily. <laughs> My other fun fact about this summer, I really, um, Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein during it, I think. I heard that as well. Because they were like, it's so cold and wet. Let's just all go to a cabin and write. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, she went and her husband went and a yeah. bunch of other people were did, like, let's write short stories. Did they know <laughs> at the time that it had anything to do with this earthquake or this volcano? I don't or they were think just so. Like, so hmm. uh, in 1883 was the Krakatoa eruption. Mm-hmm. But by that time we had telegraphs. Right. And so like word spread very quickly of that one. But for this one, I think it was like research done by like climatologists like much later that were like piecing this together and being like, oh, like, oh, that's why there was all this weird And also there was this like giant category Uh seven volcano. Yeah. Interesting. It's fair. It's like weird, too, because like these are like mountains. And then like I think Mount Tambora was one of the tallest mountains in the region. And now it's just not because it like collapsed. Right. And it, like shot like a bunch of material. The entire thing went yeah. into the atmosphere. <laughs> so weird. We live on a danger. Uh-huh. A danger ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. danger ball. <laughs> it just does a bad burp every now and then. <laughs> just, yeah, every now and then. There's a little indigestion. Of, yeah. yeah. You never know when they just like the mountain's just going to come kill you. All right. I'm going to go now. Okay. In 2011, just a few months after the massive earthquake in Japan that we all remember that had the tsunami and lots and lots of people died, um, the top 20 stories of a 39-story office and shopping tower in South Korea began to sway violently. Uh The shaking continued, peaking after, I'm going to guess, around 3 minutes and 43 seconds. That's just a guess. Uh, And then the tower continued to shake, uh, and it shook for a total of around 10 minutes. After the shaking stopped, the tower was evacuated, and everyone was shocked to find that no other buildings in the area had been shaking, and no one had experienced an earthquake. Everybody else was just going about their daily business. Was there something wrong with the building? Had there been a bomb set off in the foundation? Was there some strange subsurface hyperlocal geology thing happening? No, my friends. The tower remained ev- evacuated for two days as scientists investigated and discovered a probable cause. A class of 17 people on the 12th floor was doing a Taibo workout to I've Got the Power, and their workout <laughs> happened to exactly match the resonant frequency of the building. Their oh, movements no. multiplied and caused the entire building to sway, not dangerously, but upsettingly. I've got the power is now, I assume, banned in the building. Here's the best sentence I read about the whole debacle. The tentative conclusion was the consensus among the six professors from an architectural institute and vibration measurement experts who participated in a recreation of the event. Ooh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they had their... They had the workout instructor come back and teach the class again. <laughs> and together, the 17 of them shook the tower. So they actually went and shook the tower again. They did it again oh my to like God. make sure that that was the cause because they were like freaked out. They were yeah. like, what is doing this? We have to make sure. So does every building have the one workout routine that you could do inside of it that would destroy <laughs> it? I mean, 
we haven't got to find our buildings. <laughs> yeah. You just, just need, yeah, I think, I think this building would be okay. It's pretty small. Yeah. Um, a tall building. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think there's probably like a place in the building where it's best to do it, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Like, were they like yeah. at the right, like, were they in the middle? Because they were on the 12th story mm-hmm. of a 40 story building. If they were at the top, would it be more? Or, or do you need like a different song for different right. floors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long did it take the scientists to figure this out? A couple days where they like interview people and like the tower was empty for a couple Mm -hmm. days like and was like a big building full of like shopping, a lot of shopping. Mm -hmm. It still seems like very fast to come to this particular Mm -hmm. conclusion. They just like interviewed a bunch of people and they were like, what's going on? What were you doing at the time? And everybody, everybody was like... Well, I was just shopping, and then these people were like, it all started (laughs) (laughs) right after Snap's I've Got the Power began. (laughs) And then when we finished that workout routine, the earthquake stopped. (laughs) Apparently, those people didn't even notice it. That's what I was going to ask. Could they tell? Yeah, they didn't. So they were just, oh, man. That's like a superpower almost. That's my fact, that's, everybody. Wow, that's a fun, a different a fun direction silly one. In. No one died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was fine. Just one song got banned. <laughs> so the facts are Stefan's Year Without a Summer and My Technomart Tybo Earthquake. Technomart is the name of the building. I liked both of them. Stefan's felt more like the, the gravitas of natural disasters. Mm, that's for sure. And relevant to... I'm not to, disagreeing. Uh, modern climate so i'm gonna give my point there but i how did convenient enjoy <laughs> i did enjoy the the dancing i'm too scared i'm too scared because if i give it to stefan i'll get hank's wrath and if i give it to hank then... there's no wrath it's fine there's, there's a little bit of wrath give it to the best dancing fact because oh. <laughs> i really thought that was a delightful story <laughs> but it wasn't about a natural disaster really you just kind of sneakily made it about <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to talk about dancing. Good way for the dancing week. I'm gonna give it to the to Hank. Oh no, oh, I'm it. sorry. He said it's done. Uh-huh. He said it. It's done. Were you gonna say trash can? Yes, but I didn't. That's not oh, right because say... I liked both the stories. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. throw it in the trash can if you like both the stories. Yeah. I did. Well, you were mad too. I'm not mad. I'm just scared. It's time for Ask the Science Couch, where we ask our listener questions to the finely honed couch of scientific minds. <laughs> we honed our couch, everyone. <laughs> Sam, read us the question before I dig myself deeper. At Mr. Nitrum asks, are there any odd natural disasters that occur on other planets which we couldn't experience here on Earth, like weird storms on Jupiter or ice quakes on Europa? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, but there's so, like glass rain on some planets. That would be bad. There is. Sounds like a natural hazard. <laughs> <laughs> because we defined this earlier right. yeah, clear, as true. affecting humans. Right. And yeah. we ain't anywhere yeah. else. Yeah, but if if we were there, mm-hmm. then you definitely... If like we had a, like cities on Mars... Mm-hmm. then, like, the global dust storms would definitely be a natural disaster because it'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so annoying. There's dust everywhere. We can't go outside. The solar panels aren't doing anything useful. Yeah. And can't communicate with Earth very effectively. That would uh, uh, There would be economic costs to the extent that I think that you would call it a disaster. Mm. Mars doesn't have much mm-hmm. else going on, just those. Uh, is it tectonically active? Mm-mm. Oh. My impression may be 
from sci-fi is mm-hmm. that every other planet that isn't Earth is just constantly he's like, a disaster boiling. All the time. <laughs> yeah, with like, yeah, yeah. I mean, Venus is just yeah, it's like boiling hot, like raining lead and uh-huh. sulfuric acid. So mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, and so that that's why this is like an interesting question because it's phrased as like odd natural disasters, but for a human, any planet, any other right. exoplanet yeah. would be in a natural disaster state. Uh-huh. So like, yeah. Ex- you said exoplanet. There, I'm sure there are some exoplanets that are constantly perfect weather. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> One or two, at least. Just, just a few. There is actually a planet that rains, where it rains glass. HD 189733b. NASA has a very delightful gallery of exoplanets called NASA's Galaxy of Horrors. (laughs) I think it was a Halloween The true danger orb. (laughs) (laughs) So you thought Earth was a danger orb. Um, But yeah, there's 5,400 mile per hour winds or two kilometers per second, which is seven times the speed of sound. Uh, and there's a bunch bones? of silica. You would just be bones. Just be bones. Right? Yeah. Your bones would be Yeah, gone. you'd be bones, but then later you would be not bones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All your flesh would be really quickly ripped off of it and uh-huh. then disintegrated yeah. by this glass. So other than that, Jupiter, Saturn, and Neptune are all pretty windy. Mm-hmm. Like the, the- <laughs> <laughs> There's also no ground. Yeah, so there's like- also no ground. <laughs> so it's all wind, all gas. Uh-huh. But... but like the great red spot on Jupiter is a giant storm right. that's going on and people liken it to a hurricane, but it's not like water vapor necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, other hydrogen compounds like ammonia and, and things going on in there. Um, and Saturn and Neptune have similar, like very high speed winds, very big storms that appear on the surface as very distinctly a storm. Like there's a patch of color and gas patterns that are like hmm. that's weird and intense and maybe lightning-y. Mm-hmm. Ice quakes exist on Earth. The oh, guy sure. mentioned in right. the question oh. like ice quakes on Europa. Ice quakes happen on Earth where mm-hmm. like liquid water freezes really suddenly underground and then oh. it rumbles the Earth. Oh, oh I cracked stuff. The coolest, I don't know, natural disaster like thing that I found uh, were ice volcanoes or cryovolcanoes. Oh, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, ice ball moons that have tidal interactions with their host planet, mm. uh, like, the, that tidal interaction keeps some, like, energy in the system and that keeps some water melted. And then so you have, like, this liquid core of water and then you have this frozen outer shell and then it because it's getting stretched all the time by the tidal interaction you get weaknesses and you get faults and you get tectonic activity and you get volcanoes. Hmm. And the first time we flew by one of these, we saw like the hail, like a misty halo and we were like, what the frick is that? And, you know, discovered that for the first time there was volcanic activity somewhere else and that it was spewing out liquid water, which is like, well, not once it hits space, it's not liquid water. <laughs> right. But uh, but that there is liquid water, you know, below the surface on those ice moons, which... Let's go. Let's yeah. go and see what kind of soupy, weird oh. diaper goop is down there. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to ask the Science Couch, follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at MyLime21, at Nathan Gillum, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this week. Final Hank Buck scores. Stefan, Sam, me are all tied with one point. Series our winner with three. 
I feel like once you pull ahead, we're no none of us are ever catching up again. <laughs> I've firmly plateaued, and you, <laughs> Sam, Sam has ceased pointing. Yeah. I see. I am a late bloomer as uh-huh. I was in real life. Yeah. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's really easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's super helpful, and lets us know what you like about the show. We will be looking at iTunes reviews for topic ideas for future episodes. So leave your topic ideas in the iTunes reviews. Second, you can tweet out your favorite moment from this episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell people about us. Oh, I know another way. You can buy the stickers on dftba.com. We got stickers. Stickers at DFTBA. If you want to read more about any of today's topics, check out scishowtangents.org to find all of our links to sources. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sarah Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and the Amazing Team at WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. In 2018, Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina and it became a quite literal (laughs) shitstorm when 121 million gallons of untreated and partially treated sewage washed out and like was swept up in this storm, as well as 2.7 million gallons of waste from hog lagoons, which is like where they dump all like the pig goop, the quote in the part that you sent said polluted floodwaters swamped coal ash ponds at power plants. Oh god. Rising man. waters engulfed private septic systems in backyards. The unwholesome mix inundated hog waste lagoons on farms. Wow. Oh. So it was just so like you took all the bad stuff and put it together. <laughs> yeah. And it's unwholesome even before it got to the yeah. hog. The, unwhole- <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the unwholesome mix then reached the hog lagoons. <laughs> 